0: Hello and welcome to Vitals, where we explore the most pressing topics in healthcare and data. Today we're getting a pulse on the interplay between operations, technology, and care teams, specifically how data serves as the backbone for achieving organizational success and holistic network enablement. Joining us from WickMed Key Community Care are Erica Robinson, Director of Population Health and Performance, and John O'Neill, Director of Analytics and IS. And hosting today is Arcadia's very own Connor Navroot, Senior (laughs) Account Executive. I'm going to go ahead and hand the conversation over to Connor. I'm going to drop off now. Connor, I'm really excited uh, to see what we have to learn from John and Erica about network enablement. So
1: over to you. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for introducing the folks here. And really excited to talk to everyone today. Uh, So as we think about this, There's definitely a lot of consensus here that healthcare and the industry as a whole has really witnessed a significant shift towards value-based care models, emphasizing population health, and alternative approaches to how do we deliver healthcare in the United States. And so as healthcare organizations strive to navigate that transformative journey, the importance of data has really emerged as a key success there. And so... Today, when we talk to John and Erica, we're gonna really explore the relationship between operational, clinical, and technical teams and that significance of those different relationships have on the healthcare landscape today. We're gonna talk through some real-world examples of how different self-service tools out of Arcadia and other areas are facilitating provider meetings that are occurring, ensuring visibility with the board of directors at the WKCC side of the house and optimizing payer-provider collaborations as well. And then finally, talking through strategies for proactive data collection, accurate metric visu- visualization, and enhancing the flow of informatics from improved outcomes. So uh, John and Erica, really thank you so much for being here today. I think the, the first big topic we want to get to is the synergy of tech and clinical teams together. And so as I walk through these different sections with you and ask some questions, I'll start with a, a fact. And so this first one is to really set the stage there's more than nine and 10 healthcare leaders agreeing that access to quality data across all platforms and workflows is really critical to an organization's success. So I think what I'd love to hear from both of you is how has the integration of data analytics and clinical expertise really transformed your organizational approach today? I think, John, we can maybe start with you from the analytics side, and then Erica, have you talk a little bit about how your population health team is working with your clinics using that integration with John's team. So yeah, John, love to hear from you first.
2: So thanks, Connor. Um, yeah, what we have found is that you know we have so much data available to us. We have um, you know a, numerous EHRs that are um, that we are connected to. Uh, we our payers all send us report after report after report, um, and it can be kind of um, you know. Overwhelming in how much it is, and what we should really be focused on. Um, you know, we'll talk to the payers, or we'll talk to the practices, and they each kind of have their own, you know, ideas or where they want to start. And so, um, and to sort through like individual pieces of data just becomes tiresome, and sometimes you don't know um, exactly what you're looking at. So, to have like a you know kind of platform where we can bring that together and really look at it from a, a normalized perspective of like all the data in one place and and really kind of drill down on areas that our leadership team and our providers really are interested in and think that they need to uh, really focus on is really important. So, um, you know, being able to connect all this stuff together and look at it uh, without having to, um, you know, try to connect what different reports from different payers are saying or what different EHRs are telling us um, is really kind of been really important for us. And it's helped us identify a lot of trends that we might have otherwise missed. Um, it gives us a broader perspective of our um, our population as a whole, uh, instead of siloing it for each um, practice or each um, insurance company that we're working with. So, you know, I think having a, you know, data is so large in, uh, in our field that like it can be, you know, overwhelming. So to have a Platform and a place that where we can look at it in a unified uh, methodology really helps us identify trends and areas where we can really um, help our practices deliver better healthcare for the individuals they serve. Uh, From you know from my standpoint, um, I'm not don't have a huge amount of history in um, healthcare analytics, so I really rely on like um, other teams like Ericas and our leadership team to really help us uh, navigate what. What they think is important uh then my team will go out and, and get all that information drill down find trends um maybe look at some modeling for it so we can really determine based on all the data in an aggregate sense what is really kind of helping us drive um, our practices business and help manage our patients in the best way we can yeah absolutely and
3: um you know I, the POP Health team, um, myself specifically, really work close with John, is, John and his team. Um, and, you know, it is it is just so much data. Um, so we work with a, a majority of our primary care practices are independent providers. So we're looking at the small mom and POPs um, all the way down to one physician practices that, you um, were built, they started 20, 30, 40 years ago. They have patients who have been with them 20, 30, 40 years. And then we do graduate up kind of to the opposite end of the spectrum where we do have independent practices that have multiple locations, um, you know, 15 plus providers. So when my team is working with these individual practices, we really have to cater to their needs. Um, Again, yes, it's a a ton of data. Um, And so for our providers, you know, previously, Two, three, four years ago, everything was paper. Um, and by the time the pop health team would get in front of the practices to discuss their reports, a lot of them were out of date. Um, and you know that's something that Arcadia really does help facilitate our you know real time reports. Yes, the payer data tends to be you know thirty to sixty days behind due to claims lag, but it's more access. To information than practices have ever had in a quote-unquote real time. And because it also leverages the use of their EHR, um, you know, it really plays into that what are our actionable opportunities at this time. Um, and so it's really fun to see the varying degrees of proficiency with our practices with proficient Health, or I'm sorry, with Arcadia. Um, so, you know, a basic level all of our practices utilize Arcadia to run performance reports by payer to really get an idea of their patient populations quality gaps ensuring that you know patients are coming in for their annual wellness visits um, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum we do have um, a couple practices that do that we have granted access to and trained on vista um, which for those of you who have used vista um, is a very in depth, um, easy to go down rabbit holes, just access to a plethora of data, um, and so that's really an area where, um, unfortunately for John and his team, um, you know it does open a lot of a lot of wor- cans of worms. Um, and I know that I spend a lot of my time walking from my office over to the analytics office, and there's probably a, a path more in the carpet at this time, um, but it's. It's just great to be able to help our practices, um, help them have more transparency and insight into their patient populations, to really focus on population management as a whole and not focusing on, okay, for this payer, we have these patients. You're really focusing on your diabetic populations. You're focusing on your heart failure patients. um, And you're looking at the continuum of care for those populations.
1: Yeah, no, I... That that was great, and I I, I keyed in on something too. What you talked about uh, that I think having that true data integration is critical because you have so many different practices that are in varying levels of expectation, size, level of experience with technology. It, it's a challenge of how do you have a unified approach to making sure those practices are delivering quality care through data driven strategies. So I know your team is very busy doing that. So thanks for walking through that, Erica. So. We talk about the large set of data. Uh, maybe you shift a little bit to what are some examples of where the absence of data can lead to missed opportunities? You talked, to Erica. You talked about yes, payer data is uh, lagged behind, and that's the importance of that EHR data. But maybe you can talk a little bit about when your teams working with these clinics to improve care delivery. How does what are some examples of where that absence of data can really lead to some missed opportunities at the clinic level?
3: Yeah, I have. Absolutely, the perfect example um, to show how the absence of data um, was, you know, hindering a practice from really hitting their goals, um, and then I will kind of cascade that into how the transparency into that data. Um, helped that practice overcome those issues and really become a very high-performing practice. Um, So, like I mentioned, two, three years ago, everything was paper. Um, Providers were sick of paper. There were paper cuts. Everyone was just papered out. Um, And so, you know, there was a lot of apprehension around a new system. Um, In theory, all of the providers, all the practices were excited. They Said, oh great you know we'll have access and it'll be at our fingertips we can look at you know look at it in quote unquote real time um and so you know then there was kind of the sticker shock of oh my gosh what is this how are we going to do this um and so what i was i was working with one particular practice um and this was kind of early on in their um integration of arcadia so this was kind of right out of the gate and we were discussing some of their quality measures. And I, he, this provider, it's his practice. There are only three providers in the office. He knows every patient like the back of his hand. He just kept saying, This doesn't make sense. This data doesn't make sense. Um, and I was like, All right, well, let's look into it. So we were specifically digging into his A1C control measure um, in Arcadia. And I'm going to kind of flip it back to how the absence of transparency was hindering the practice. Um but we started looking into it and the provider was like, no, this patient was in three months ago, their A1C was six point seven. And he would pull that patient up in his EHR and say, see, here's the lab. And sure enough, he was right. Um, But in Arcadia they were they had open gaps. Um, And so what I was able to do was to pull um look in the patient chart in Arcadia. Um, because it pulls the claims data. So you have, you know, the F codes, the CPT-2 F codes, the CPT codes that are dropped on those claims. And I opened up the patient's um, chart in Arcadia, and I showed him, I was like, well, those F codes are not coming over on claims. If those are not coming over on claims, then the payer either, assume well, the payer just assumes that the patient is uncontrolled, because they know that the A1C was taken, but it was uncontrolled. Um, And so this was his kind of first aha moment of, oh, well, we never knew this before. How would we have known this on those paper reports? And I'm like, you know, I I leveled with him and I (laughs) I said, you know, unfortunately for me or fortunately for me, I was not here during the paper report um, era, but I know that we have that visibility now. And, you know, that was enough to show him how, you know, the how he had been impacted previously without having the transparency into his data um, and what we could do moving forward. And ultimately we're now, I don't know, an, a year and a half into my um, engagement with the practice. He and I are we're besties now. He will text me funny memes. Um, he, I give him homework every time I go out there. Uh, he buys me really funny Christmas presents. Um, but it has, we have been able to show a, um, increase in shared savings directly correlated to his quality performance, because we've been able to dig into those areas that there just was not that transparency on the paper reports previously.
1: That's amazing. I I love that story. And it's a, it's a true start to finish with a good ending, uh, to be able to show, you know. How your team works with them using the data from John's team to actually drive and show the value and, and also have backing to why something isn't showing from the user's perspective that's always key because if we have to tell the story we have to show it through quantitative supporting facts of why something may need to be changed or acted on differently and so that's awesome uh so let's let's double down into the practice enablement through a data-driven approach and so, Starting on this, there was a case study published by the Harvard Business Review where it highlighted that 53% of global business and IT professionals believe that empowering more users with self-service functionality is an essential step to improve their organization's success with BI and analytics. And This is something that Arcadia has definitely taken to heart with our Vista authoring capabilities, our Arcadia console tool that's been rolled out. And so Definitely want to focus there with the WKCC group here on how those different tools are helping benefit your organization. And so I think, John, I'd, I'd love to start with you. How yeah. has that self-service aspect of this to really enhance the visibility your team has been able to provide to practices um, through reports that you're building yourself?
2: Um, I, th- it, you know, I think so, to start off, it really helps us um, have a targeted approach to what our um, providers and our leadership team want to focus on, uh, You know, they can, we can sit in a meeting, and they can talk about um, some kind of strategy they're they're thinking of to, to unfold for the whole ACO. Or a, a doctor can say, well, I'm really interested in looking at how I'm doing in, in this metric or so. And we can quickly stand that up and um, show them, based on all the data we have, this is kind of where you stand. This is how you compare to the rest of the ACO or, or practices of that look just like you so they can have a little more comparison of how they can how they're how they're doing it compared to uh other practices and other people of their size and 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 so forth so that that they can quickly see it too because you know the great thing about Vista self-authoring is that we um it's because it's so integrated with Arcadia's data already it's very easy for us to you know Build a report that might have taken like a month beforehand to do it, like in like a week or so. And and then, I think what's even better about it is that we can we can you know build these uh, reports and dashboards and and show it to the field, to the providers, to the leadership team, and they can look at it and say, well, this made me think. What what about this? Um, you know, how is this demographic performing in this in this metric? Or you know, what is the split between uh, um, you know this. Uh, cost um, and the different uh, payers we have. So we can really kind of focus on you know driving down costs, we can focus on helping marginalized um, you know groups in our, our ACO a lot better. Uh, we can um, really give insight to the providers who are actually doing all of the uh, actual procedures and dealing with the patients to th- give them insight uh, quickly, get feedback from them and then you know continually develop these reports in a manner that is, uh, the, there's always this constant feedback, and, and really kind of pressing out new um, ideas and new um, reports for them to look at that aren't, you know, that are catered to them, so that they're really kind of uh, customly built, and and they feel a lot more like heard in how, you know, our ACO is responding to their needs, uh, but I think it's also helping them really kind of make a difference in their uh, the overall population that they serve, how they can really... Focus on things that are are affecting the people they uh, see every day, and and help them get better health outcomes for them.
1: Yeah, I I appreciate.
3: Go ahead, Erica. Yeah, yeah, Um, and you know, I not that John doesn't already have job security, but I think he's probably (laughs) on some days ready to strip my Vista um, access. Um, and my ability to go in and dig around and run reports. Um, mm-hmm. But absolutely, you know, this is, again, to to tout the fact that this is more data than our providers have ever had. Um, and while it's overwhelming, it's, you know, it's up to myself and my team to really break it down into Workable, workable, manageable parts for the practices. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it in a, in a few minutes, um, but we also utilize bindery for scorecards. And so when we release our practice's scorecards, um, we have something that we call a practice performance space sheet which um, each pop health specialist on the team will review the scorecard prior to meeting with the practice and then form a list of their recommendations around things that the practice can work on or look into. Um, And a lot of those, because we are so tight on quality, um, we've really been focusing on cost and risk. And so, um, I mean, Vista has been a real lifesaver to allow our practices the ability to say okay well who are my high cost patients what do you mean i have a patient that's been to the ed seven times and we're like give me five seconds and i'll tell you not only which days of the week they went to the ed but i'll give you every diagnosis that they had while they were there Um, so it really looks it just allows it's, it's much deeper than transparency i feel like i feel like it's opens up the providers to glimpse into the patient's lives um, because they're looking at all of their specialty data they're looking at all of their costs their medications and they're looking for trends within their patients and their populations
1: yeah thanks erica you took the words right out of my mouth because i was going to jump right into bindery so i appreciate the the great segue and tying in how is the the new uses out of this uh, your team's been using it. So you mentioned Bindery and the scorecards you've been using. You, you guys have been doing it for quite some time uh, through that tool, so I'd love to hear about maybe shifting a little bit to what are some of the outcomes that you've seen through delivering those scorecards to practices, and how, is the, how have the practices been uh, receptive to those scorecards and the information to get out of them?
3: Um, you know, it's, it's funny, and I think anyone that works with providers um, is used to the phrase well, that data is not right, um, and so it's been it's been very eye opening. It's been very interesting on both both sides, both with the providers and the practices, and both with um, the the ACO. Um, but the conversations as a whole have well, they all have been great because one or both of us um, have been able to learn from them. Um, you know, and again, it is. We chose for our scorecards to break it down into three sections. We, again, with just a plethora of data in Arcadia, we really wanted to ensure that the scorecards, um, because they would be in front of the practices and the providers and all different types of audience audiences within that practice, we wanted to ensure that anyone who paid it. Um, so we broke it down into three just very ingestible sections. We have a quality section, we have a cost section and we have a risk section. Um, So for quality, they've got all of their measures, they have their performance um, based off of the thresholds um, that we have to achieve as well as based off of the ACO average, so their peers. Um, For the cost, that's the one that this year because I've just put such a heavy focus on cost um, transparency and performance for our practices, that's the one that we're really, we're having those really, really great conversations, um, because they want to know, well, why did my, um, why did my overall imaging trend down over last year, but my high dollar imaging is up? Um, so we can, you know, help make those correlations between different service categories, as to you know, well, your high dollar imaging went up. We can most likely assume that your inpatient medical or surgical went up as well. Um, and really, again, just you're going to hear that word and nausea and transparency um, show them their high spend areas and they don't want to hear it sometimes, but it is what it is. And so without pulling that bandaid off and without having those conversations, you're not going to have that baby year change. Um, and then so for risk, which Ultimately, our end goal for the risk section is to highlight each practice's areas of opportunity around risk. Um, But for now, we're kind of just dipping their toes in the water and just showing them, you know, overall with their patient populations, their their risk categories, um, their riskiest populations and drawing their attention to it and really having them focus on their high risk patients, their high cost patients, because generally they're one in the same.
1: Absolutely, it's that dancing around the fine line of too much information, and, but also giving the right information to drive actual insights off of too. To, what what do I need to do with this information? Yeah. is giving me. I think that's vital, and
2: you hit that very well. I think also to jump off on, on that a little bit is also that um, you know by empowering you know these empowering um, self-service uh, applications like Bindery and Vista um, uh, um, as for our providers what it allows us to do is let them engage with data in a way that's comfortable for them you know we have a very large array of different types of practices you know from our single providers to people who are um, attached to health systems uh, and they are going to need different types of data they're going to need to uh, they're not always going to engage with the same type of data same way um, and by you know utilizing erica's team to go out with these uh, scorecards, and um, it allows them to look at a uh, their own data in a way with someone who understands all their data, and they can talk about it, and then they can come up with ideas of what they really want to focus on. And then we can build new reports to really help them understand their data better. And the more they can engage with data the way they want to, the more likely they are going to see benefits of using data. So that will reduce the Number of questions or accusations that oh this data is not right. I know my data. Um, It's because they haven't. You know, if we just give them this out of the box data sets, they they'll just say, well, that's not how I'm used to looking at my data, so I don't really trust it. But the more we have them engage and customize what they need to see, the more likely they'll be able to use data and in their practices and their workflows and how they see their patients. And that's going to become a better outcome for them, for the ACO, and for their patients.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. Um, you know, being able to show the providers the data behind the data uh, does make a big difference um, because you're kind of shutting down that um, kind of negativity and doubt when they're saying, "Oh, well, you know, I my cost my PMPM PM for that payer can't." No, that's 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 not true. And then you're like, "Well, let's just look." Um, and so by having the Kind of cross-functional um, self-offerings. While we're going over the scorecard that was generated out of Bindery, we're looking in the web UI and we're looking at the performance reports around quality. And then we're pulling up Vista on the back end and we're giving them a complete list of all of their high cost patients by payer so that they can understand um, the the drivers of their overall uh, cost and, and performance.
1: Yeah, it's like- continuous feedback loop and continue to iterate over time. It's a never mm-hmm. thing. So you talk about job security and that's why you're all here. So that's good. <laughs> uh, so John, I think shifting to, what I like to call it kind of like the guts of the data and the platform. So uh, console, it's a, a tool that we've rolled out and is continuing to open up the box of being able to self-serve and manage the data for our clients. Can you talk about maybe some ways you've, you've console to fill in missing data points or really improve how you're bringing data in from your different practices and your claim sources into Arcadia?
2: Yeah, right now, um, you know, I think we've had console for maybe two months now. Um, we started integrating it with our workflow for just um, data health in general. Uh, uh, for about a, a few years, we've had like a, a report card that comes in, but it's just, that report card is based on uh, the ingestion of data into the database, so it's already you know it's whether it's in the database or not. All the uh, dates of the updates and encounters are based off if it actually got through ingestion into the database. Um, and oftentimes payers will send wrong information and it won't get ingested. And previously, it was, you know, you know, the payers send us data about once a month. Uh, we'll send it to Arcadia, and then by the time we found out that it was not ingested correctly or something was wrong or they changed something in their format um, you know we're probably two months behind now and since there's already a lag in payer data this you know causes a big problem for us because we're not really you know I don't like the lag as it is for one month behind everything else or two months behind um, but to add something else on top of that because of some sort of issue with the data that the payers are sending uh, really caused a lot of problems um, with so we started using console because it um, it really gives us a lot more insight on the ingestion of the data, um, you know, when the last time data was actually sent and not when it was actually brought into the database. So we can much quickly go out to our payers <clears throat> and uh, say, hey, there's something's changed in your data and, uh, you know, we need to fix it now. And it, it you know, gives us a lot more um, solid information for them quicker. It holds them to account. Um, it helps us with our. Uh, practices if say their, um, Mac agent goes down or they change their storage of their database so that now it doesn't work. We, we get that insight a lot quicker now because, uh, console gives us that ability. Um, it helps us track, um, you know, what each practice also has for, you know, what kind of data connection they have, um, and what kind of their cadences on sending data. We had some information on that before, but console also gives us a lot more, um, Ability to kind of really look at the um, the actual table level uh, data that we're getting, and um, you know we're really excited about um, getting into term mapping um, just to see if there's anything we're missing. A um, Little hesitant because I don't see a lot of we don't have a lot of visibility on the EHR data, um, so I don't want to like map all these terms that are meaningless and have us do all this work that we don't have to go back and uh, work. But we're we're working those workflows out so. You know, the more um, information that my team has on how, this, how the data pipelines are working, how the connectors are working, uh, the lot. You know, we don't have to worry so much about how um, how new is this data, how secure is this data, how 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 can we actually trust this data? Uh, because console gives us that look uh, at all times. So um, we're really uh, excited about <clears throat> really developing more workflows off console, just because it's the, to date we really. Just built so much more things around data um, transparency and security with
1: yeah because it you you both have to feel confident when you're sharing with your end user clients that you have to make sure they feel comfortable and feel successful with the information they're given and that all starts from just having that transparency and availability to know is something lagged is there changes we need to make to yeah. our connector to do something different and so it. It's giving you the ability to have that trust of, of the integrity of the data, so that's
2: great. And we were like a uh, good example this the other day. Um, one of our um, smaller uh, providers, their um, their kind of uh, data person, emailed me and said they got a new computer. Um, they it kind of messed with everything. They weren't really sure if the SFTP they were sending the data on was working right. And within two minutes, I was able to confirm and confirm in Arcadia, that they had gotten the data, had been ingested, uh, and it should be hitting the database in about like two days. So, um, you know, and that cleared up a problem that, in the past, probably would have taken weeks, if not a month, to figure out. And we're, we answered it in about an hour and a half. That's
1: great. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot different than maybe a year ago at this time. So that's, mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's keep talking more about engaging providers and that continuous feedback loop. So according to the International Journal for Quality and Healthcare, it has been suggested that there's a positive relationship between staff engagement and the safety and quality of care provided. So this really goes into the work that Erica, you and your team are trusted to do and building those relationships with all your different clinics and your ACO. So I know you've shared with me that you have these one-on-ones, but you also have a, a nice meeting structure in place. Can you talk about your monthly meetings and how that's really fostering a culture of feedback and just continuous improvement between your team and the providers that serve your patients.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'll I'll just put it out there. So WKCC, we will we were started ten years ago um, with our first value based contract year um, being nine years ago, and so again, being you know small independent providers. Um, you know, PCP providers, they are very opinionated. Um, and so they, they will speak up and they will tell you exactly what you're, what they are thinking. Um, they don't wait for you to have your monthly meeting or your quarterly meeting or your big, you know, annual meeting. Um, they will speak up very quickly and, um, they'll let you know exactly what they're thinking. Um, so with that, you know, and because we are in such a tenured state, um, we have a very, uh, set structure for our meetings. Um, And one thing that we do do is for, on the provider side, we have um, a set of annual provider meetings. Um, We have meetings each quarter. And so those are tied to our annual core requirements. Um, then we also have monthly practice manager meetings that the practice managers, administrators, support staff have to attend on a monthly basis, um, also tied to core requirements. Um, and we also have three additional core requirements. But the, you know, kind of the, the teeth behind it and the reason that these meetings are so successful are because if a practice does not meet their annual core requirements, then they could potentially forfeit their shared savings. Um, So, you know, I would love to say that it's, you know, the practices are beating down our door every month because they just can't wait to meet with us. Um, And in some cases, that is absolutely true. Um, But, you know, we uh, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that there are this all is kind of tied back to core requirements and shared savings um, to add that extra kind of um, engagement. I'll put it nicely from the practices. But yeah, so um, as far as core requirements go, on a monthly basis, like I mentioned, we do have practice manager meetings. Um, On a quarterly basis, we have the provider meetings, again, core requirements. But in addition to that, the pop health specialists on my team have their own cadence for meetings with their practices. Um, These are not tied to core requirements at all. present at practice manager meetings, we present at the provider meetings that, you know, we track practice engagement and we can draw a direct correlation between a more engaged practice and a better overall performance, um, which drives higher shared savings. Um, And so we are very proud. And I mean, I am absolutely spoiled with the pop health specialists on my team. Um, they are just they're naturals. Um, They love to meet with the practices. They want to help. And I think that that is part of the reason why we're so successful is because that is what is driving them. Um, they want to help the practices. They want to help the support staff. They want to help the providers understand the data. They want to help them understand their populations. Um, and so we really, really value um, our time with the practices and something that we've also found because you know in this day and age our practices as our ACO practices are members of multiple ACOs. So they have five different ACOs people pulling them in different directions and what we've heard is that a lot of ACOs will mandate monthly meetings with the practices and we do not do that. Um, we understand that we have the monthly practice manager meetings that they have to attend. Um, We do not feel it necessary or even sort of appropriate to also require additional time out of their month. Um, We have very, very high-performing practices where they only come to us if they need something or if we see something, we say something. But we very much respect our practices and respect their time. And so we kind of have the the idea that if we're not bringing value to the time that we're taking away from their work in, in the office and clinic, then, you know, this can probably be a conversation for another day. Um, and so our practices recognize that they recognize that we're respectful of their time um, and that, you know, we come to them with actionable data with actionable plans and we, we come to help. Um, we, we, work with individual practices on even um, integrating Arcadia or other ACO platforms into their workflow um, to just help them cut back on some of the time constraints that they're facing. Um, so it goes a level deeper than just helping with their performance or their quality or their cost. We're really cognizant of burnout and that it's on all levels. And so we, um, I think because we're respectful of that, our practices respect us more for it. And they are more willing to set aside time to talk with us and be engaged and listen to what we have to say.
1: That's great. It's, it's that old adage of provide enough boundary to, of expectation, but enough wiggle room in between to, of, of what's successful for each of these organizations. So that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, So, just to make sure we we hit everything, I do want to switch to our topic on payer and provider enablement. So, I think there's there's always conversation of how does the operational aspects of work with our different provider groups and payers that work with them. So, uh, one piece that we want to call out is that operational and payer provider enablement plays really a critical role in healthcare ecosystem from that data accessibility and utilization to just overall collaboration together. So uh, John, I know your team has done a lot out of Arcadia data exchange and working with payers to uh, in that area. I'd love to hear maybe how you used Arcadia to really transform the efficiency of data exchange and just really the flow of mathematics and data you get from your payer organizations.
2: Yeah, we have... Um well I think three now but we had four this year uh when one pair dropped off uh where we um have day exchanges with them for a number of our measures uh quality measures that we can uh take information from arcadia mostly coming off the ehrs because the payers already have their information uh, to close gaps uh for individual patients that might be open um how we have set this up is we um have uh stored procedures, uh, in our, uh, Arcadia environment in the sandbox that pulls in, uh, data, uh, from different tables, um, that would can close, you know, A1C, uh, control A1C gaps or, uh, high blood pressure, wellness visits, uh, chlamydia screenings. Uh, so each, each of these stored procedures basically, um, will go in, find the, the codes we need from each payer that uh, might close these gaps and um, then combines that information with um, information that provi- the, the payers provide us uh, every month. They give us a kind of gap list of patients who have open gaps. Um, and so we can take those open gap patients and say, look, look through our store procedures. Do any of these patients have information that might close the gap? Um, this provides us, um, you know, an ability to close that quicker for payers and uh, providers, and gives payers uh, the ability to, you know, show that not everything that they gonna do claims might not be um, what they can see. So they 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 will close gaps that would otherwise not ever be closed. So we um, we try to take this a step further and um, make it uh, modular because what what problem we have is that payers change their measures every year and their levels that they want. So um, we've modulized the data um, the code so that we can just have individual measure um, store procedures and then that have parameters on it so that we can uh, change those um, every year without having to write 1,500 lines of code for each <laughs> each data exchange. Um, and so, you know, we're, it also gives a lot more insight on, um, you know, who might just need to be, uh, you know, who, who has an open gap for A1C, who... The payers know it and we have no data for them so we can make lists off that to say you know, go after these people they have um you know they came in for a1c but it's still out of control we need to go back and get them back in, in a timely manner
1: that's great uh shifting to you erica on the relationship of payers and your team and wkcc i'd love to just hear you talk about you know The collaboration between WQCC and your payers, what do you think the implications of that type of collaboration really is on just the broader healthcare community as a whole?
3: Yeah, um, I I think I speak for everyone on um, who is in an ACO or with a provider office. Um, You know, a lot of times it can feel like a game of the, between um, the payers and ACOs and practices. Um, you know, for some of the reasons that John mentioned, it's okay, well, the payer says we have open gaps for this, but the practice is like has documentation. So it becomes this game of how do I get that documentation over to the payer to tell them it's not really a gap. Um, you know, we value our strong relationships with the payers. Um, you know, obviously there, we, we have competing, um, interests. Um, we want to get the providers more money and they kind of want to take more money sometimes. Um, but it, it's business, you know, but we value our relationships and we know that, you know, while we are a large ACO, we're really just small peanuts to payers, but the more that we can facilitate those relationships and, voice, you know, our concerns from our practices or things we're seeing at the ACO level, um, data we're seeing, whatever the case may be, um, you know, we know we're helping in our own way, if not just for our providers. Pushing back, making sure that we're being diligent um, on reports that payers send and working to understand their parameters, the things that they're looking at, understanding those better so that we can kind of ebb and flow to meet those goals for our providers. So, you know, I I think ACO and pay relationships and practice and pay relationships it's a love hate relationship. Um, you know, and there there's always frustrations, um, but I think that, you know, overall we're stronger together. I would love for ACOs to have a larger voice than they do, given the trajectory of value-based care. I mean, even over the past two years um, and just where we are compared to two years ago, I mean, even a year ago, Um, you know, because what our providers doing, they're changing patient lives. They are saving patients. They are, you know, for chronic patients, they are empowering patients to really own their healthcare and own their health and take care of themselves. And so I would love for ACOs to have a larger voice, um, but, you know, that's, we're just going to keep working on us and foster those relationships with the payers um, and advocate for our patients.
1: Absolutely. And I think you touched on something that's really exciting is you know, these larger programs, whether it's ACO REACH or any other type of value-based care program, it takes time for that data to catch up on what the the impact these different models of care are having on patient lives. So uh, yeah, very exciting to continue to start seeing that data show up and they'll be excited to see it over time, whether it's through a payer's reports or what we're doing in Arcadia, a lot more to come there, which is great. Uh Uh, So I definitely want to talk about your engagement with your board. So we've talked a lot about your engagement with your clinics and your aco but there's equal importance of making sure your board and the leadership of the wkcc knows what's going on and uh, the impact that your aco is having so um, from the hymns and arcadia market insights poll survey report that we did together uh, less than 60 percent of healthcare organizations data is being used to make intelligent business decisions so john i'd love to hear from you you've talked about this a lot already but can you talk a little bit about how your team's been using the, the Vista authoring capabilities to offer your board members and your organization leaders a really clear and broader view of all the different metrics you have as a PCO?
2: Yeah, um, so we had this idea, I think, at the beginning of last year um, to give our board members a, a kind of more of a, a ACO-level look at how our, um, our practices are doing. Um, based on some data stuff, we can't always show, like, you know, you know what practice is doing what, but we can show it at a ACL level at the, at the payer level. Uh, so uh, I got together with um, Erica and some of the other leadership team here, and we and we hashed out what we thought what would be um, really pertinent information for the board to know. Um, and and it what kind of boiled down to you know um, plan attributions from the payers. You know how what kind of how many lives are really managing at one time? RAF information, um, kind of. Uh, uh, utilization uh, by age band and gender and stuff like that. So we kind of know what our demographics look like uh, performance, um, how uh, each quality measure is looking um, and also looking at some demographics with that. Um, we have a care manager team. that's really, really great. And we wanted to kind of show where, you know, where are these patients coming from? You know, are we looking at certain geographic areas? Are we uh, looking at certain payers who are, are studying a lot of these um patients or is there a certain practice that needs a lot more services than others? Uh, so we have a lot of, uh, on the dashboard has that. And then, um, ED visits, you know, really big right now. Cause, um, that utilization is going up. So we have a, a bunch of information on that. And finally, uh, pharmacy, which is another, you know, kind of, uh, we thought these were the kind of pillars of our, um, of, of, the, of the kind of what the board needed to know. And so we have each of these, um, sheets and, um, InVista self-authoring and we have it um, update on a cadence about once a month, about a week before the board meeting. Uh, then my team, uh, you know, prints out a copy of it to uh, give to Debbie, our executive director and we give her like insight of, uh, you know, this is what's changed in this uh, attri- payer attribution this month. Uh, this is uh, what performance looked like last month compared to this month, we've seen increases here. Uh, these are areas we might need to focus on. Uh, this measure has you know we've we've hit the threshold for every payer um so might not you know practices can take the uh you know kind of slow down on that stuff so it gives um it gives our the ability of our leadership to communicate to uh, the board and the board members who are made up of our providers about the information they they need to know that is pertinent that is that is changing all the time, but we want to give them an insight that is um you know consistent right so that we can always, know where we stand from month to month and determine what maybe new initiatives we need to start or what we are are, we need to communicate as aco out to the field of what we need to be focusing on um and and what is fine you know that we're doing great here we don't need to worry about that so much so that we can reduce the time that people are you know spending on developing uh, new workflows in certain areas or help them enable new workflows for their practices um to hopefully reduce the you know, the burnout and staff um, focusing on too many things at once. And, and so I think it gives, um, it gives security to the board members that, that we are kind of really focused on what's important at the practice level um, and gives them insight um, they can see with their own eyes and make their own decisions about, and they communicate back to us so that we can, um, you know, either dig deeper into the data or make some new uh, uh, priorities within our own initiatives to, to respond to the board's needs. Uh, and what they see the aco needs to go because you know we are dependent on them to help um, drive our decision making and and make you know the decisions that we do to um, benefit all of our providers
3: yeah Yeah. and one thing that i'll add to that is what i also really love and here's that word again transparency (laughs) Um, so out of our quarterly provider meetings that our providers have to attend um, we have something called all provider meetings And, you know, not only does the board have visibility into all of this information, but we also discuss it openly at these all provider meetings. We talk about cost performance. We talk about, you know, PMP by payer. We're talking about quality. We're having those open conversations um, with with all the providers. So with all of our stakeholders. Um, And so, you know, it's it kind of adds to it adds fluidity to the you know, what the board is seeing and the overall goal of WPCC when you know the same information, the same data, the same messaging is being given across all levels.
1: Yeah, thanks, Erica, I totally agree. Uh, so we have about five minutes. I do wanna wrap up with one question and then I know we have a few questions from the audience I wanna make sure we have some time to, but I think real quick, John and Erica, uh, you all have clearly had a lot of success with Arcadia's different self-service tools. I'd love to hear just quickly from you. How do you see those tools continuing to grow in your organization and really working to help your organization in 2024 and beyond?
2: Um I I'll think go for first. my Oh, you go first? Okay, you go first too. Yes, no, I go, go first.
3: Because I have so many, but he's making me pick just one or two. <laughs> okay. Um so um, you know, it, there's really you you just keep going up. Um, you know, with each day, each time I log into Arcadia, each time a practice logs into Arcadia, whether it's the web UI, whether it's Vista, um, you know, we're looking at data. We are looking at ways to identify opportunities to change behaviors. Um, and I will say, you know, and it's like anything, the more practice you have, the more exposure you have to it, the better you get with it. So, um, and I will put this offer out there if you want to um, socialize my email address. I have some pretty cool tips and tricks. Um, In Arcadia, um, certain reports that I have kind of randomly just stumbled upon that, um, so for the web UI, um, I discovered how, you know, for the quality measures, there's a A1C testing measure. And then, of course, you have your A1C control measures, 8% or 9%. Well, if you use those in conjunction with each other, you can easily identify patients who, um, or practices where they have a large number of open gaps for the eight, the 8% or 9% control. Um, and if they have a large number of those gaps, I guarantee that there's probably a CPT2 F code issue. Um, so we've taught those practices how to run those reports and that was just an unintended Uh, benefit of having those, all three of those measures work in conjunction with each other. Um, In VISTA, I noticed that, you know, and this is kind of a, for those smaller organizations who don't have a dedicated kind of roster um, provider information management person, um, you can identify roster errors in VISTA because if a payer sends a roster with an unidentified or unknown NPI, it flags it as unknown. Um, So you can isolate those. And then unfortunately for John and his team, um, I then send it over to them and ask them to crosswalk those NPI's to the payer so that we can go back to the payer and say, this is not our provider. Um, Please take this provider off of our roster. Um, So get ahead of those issues. Whereas previously, again, we're talking about paper um, and, you know, having to comb through individual payer reports. But when it's all aggregated at your fingertips and it's automated and you can export it into an Excel, because I love a good Excel sheet, um, it, it really makes things a lot easier. Thanks, sir.
1: John, I'll let you um,
2: Yeah, I guess my thing is... Um... You know, one thing that I think WKCC does really well as just the ACO with our employees, um, my team and Eric's team, or my team and the care manager teams, is that we collaborate really well together. We are able to, you know, work together to, um, you know, Eric will identify initiatives or or workflows that she wants, and and then she works with me to to really kind of make those. How how can we do that with data? How can we do that with um, uh, the information we have? And the By using Arcadia and their, especially their self offering tools, we're allowed to then really collaborate a lot more with our practices and our payers, uh, which then allows us all to have kind of the same goals and, um, um, you know, end products that we want to see happen. It's a lot easier if we can collaborate together um, because I think in healthcare, a lot of times it's, we're all different with dealing with different entities and different um, kind of, you know, priorities. But if we can collaborate together and working together, uh, it, it, makes us a lot easier for us to, to kind of get there. And by using these self offering tools to show, uh, practices that, we you know, we can give them information they, they might never have thought of, or we can, uh, work with the payers and give them information they never had before. Um, we're going to be able to drive, um, you know, try to work together to make everyone happy with the outcomes that we're going to be able to do. Um, and I, without this kind of like engagement in data, uh, without being able to really kind of modify our data and, um, and uh, that we to, to really go after each each individual's needs, then we then you know it's really hard to get there. Um, so it's that's really why I like Arcadia a lot. We combine all this data together. We are able to show um, individualized and, uh, reports to providers. We can you know show payers what they need to see, and it really kind of helps us provide a better healthcare for everyone that's involved in the system.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Well. I wish we could talk longer. I, I know we don't really do when we see each other on these top topics anyway, but uh, really thank you both for sharing your successes and all the great work you all are doing at WKCC. It's always really fascinating and exciting to hear all the great things you're all doing. So, Mike, I'll turn it over to you. I know we might try to squeeze in a couple of questions, uh, so I'll turn it over to you for talking through those questions and some next steps.
0: Yeah, I, I, I know we're at the top of the hour here, and, and it's funny because, I don't even think we got through the entire discussion guide. So there, it feels like there maybe is going to be a round two uh, if John and Erica, you want to come back. But um, if we if we can take five more minutes and just keep everyone on for just five more minutes, I think we do want to hit some of these audience questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to get through all of them, maybe, maybe two or three max, but the first one that came in... Um, can you can you give more specific examples of trends you've identified that maybe you wouldn't have been able to without Arcadia? Um, Erica, you shared some examples earlier, but are there any others that are top of mind that um you can think of?
3: Oh my gosh, so many. Um, <laughs> you know, it a lot of them um, and this is largely due to our increased focus on cost this year. Um are around um, ED utilization um, as well as readmits. Uh, we have a big focus on readmission, uh, um, specifically all cause plan readmits for next year. But really, looking at um, you know geographically, where does the patient live? Um, you know, for avoidable ED visits, is this a situation where it looks like the patient is utilizing the ED because there are no other options around? Um, Looking at, um, you know, the unengaged patients um, and kind of when they fall into those ED utilizations or readmit reports, really ensuring, you know, we're reaching out to the providers and saying, hey, can you work on engaging these patients? Um, You know, we're seeing some some uptakes in ED utilization. Um, And then. From kind of a, a payer level, what we've also been able to notice and talk about to our providers um, are that, you know, for the ACA exchange products, pretty much across the board, um, what we see is a higher higher ED utilization for those patients. Um, and, you know, in talking with the payers um, and even in, talk, in talking with providers who are talking to patients, the what we're learning is that it's about the same cost for them to go to the ed as it is to see their pcp um so you know a lot of cost identified trends um and quality identified trends too um we noticed what's a big one oh um so we saw an uptick in um sorry i just wasn't sure of that we saw an uptick in
0: that's, that's okay, Erica. I think you've given... Yeah, uh, fantastic. It's It sounds like there are limitless poss- possibilities, to be honest. Yes. And um, John, I, I want to get one question to you. I think this one is a, mm-hmm. is a good one for you. How do you handle file timing of data? For example, so many different files from different payers, EHRs. How do you qualify and communicate these differences um, to your stakeholders? Um... <laughs> Well, I think uh, one of the primary things we do is um,
2: we started to stand up a report that um, showed uh, the lag in our um, in our attribution from the payers. So we have uh, a time series graph that shows you know where the last attributed numbers came in, uh, so that we can uh, let people know you know you might be thinking that you know this about your population, but understand that it's back in. October instead of December. Right. So kind of giving that transparency of like when that data is coming in. Uh, and then, you know, in general, we can use that to, um, assure people that like, if you're seeing an in Arcadia, uh, as closed and you're, you know, getting a report that says that this patient has an open gap, that you, you could be, be assured that because we have these data exchanges that get that, and we can actually pull out the patients and show them that we submitted this, that they're Going to close this gap uh, that they don't need to worry about that, that they can trust in Arcadia's numbers over, um, say, what the payers are telling them, because what the payers are telling them is two months old. And uh, the providers know that they are um, are doing that kind of work, but they are um, unsure because the information they get is old. So, uh, you know, I think by really kind of giving the transparency of like when this information comes in, uh, really allows people to uh, trust and verify the data a lot better. Um, so we, we try to make that just really a, a big point in transparency that, you know, if they are, um, if people give us a call and say, you know, I'm not seeing this appointment that I had on my, in my previous planning, uh, we can say, well, you only send us appointment data once a week. So it's only going to be as good as that. Um, because the more, you know, my team can understand the data as, as much as we can. And, um, but you know, other people are going to see a website that's all flashy and think that everything is, you know, automatic and always running at the same time. And so, we try to give as much transparency about these delays, and then how we how we are trying to mitigate um, that information so that um, Arcadia is like kind of the source that they can look at uh, at that day and time and say, you know, this is this is where I'm standing within my contracts and with my patient population. Um, gives um, I think people a lot more. Um, they don't have to worry about it so much and they don't have to dedicate time and energy to make verifying data they have in their EHR and then looking at a spreadsheet that, uh, uh, you know, a a payer gives them and and wondering why they don't look as good as they look in their EHR. So we are, by combining the information, we're able to give them that insight and by giving them transparency on how these different cadences of data work um, and trying to create workflows on our, on our team to, um, try to mitigate that, that, that difference as much as we can, I think allows for people to um, not worry about that as much and not really um, have to focus on the, you know, we're not gonna make insurance companies give us data quicker, they, they do what they want. So um, it's better to kind of uh, you know educate and give transparency and then
0: enable workflows that might mitigate that, that difference as quickly as possible. Amazing, thanks, John. Erica, I'm glad you offered yourself up as a resource earlier uh, today, too, because we did have someone asking if you'd be willing to share some examples of your uh, performance scorecards and things like that. I don't know how much you can share, but we'll we'll connect you with that person uh, later on. Connor, you did such a fantastic job asking questions today, but I also know your wealth of knowledge. So this last question, I'm going to just direct it towards you. Uh, healthcare organizations often say that they're data focused, but they don't really have any idea of what to prioritize. How does Arcadia as a platform help with data prioritization and avoid that analysis paralysis kind of mentality?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I I mean, we talked about it a lot. There's, There's so much to provide and to drive inside around, but I think that Arcadia gives multiple ways to look at it, whether it's hey, I want to just see a report high level around cost, utilization, or I want to dig into all my different quality measures and the performance I have across each individual one so that someone like Erica or John, who's really trying to lead enablement, has options to decide what do I care about as an organization that I want to have my network action on. So the great part of Arcadia is we're bringing that all into one, all the data in one place across multiple records so that you have the ability to make a decision of where do you want your organization to drive improvement around? And how do you want to simplify the approach of that delivery of data through multiple different ways of doing it? So it's it's trying to give options, but also put it in front of the user in the, most, the easiest way possible. So whoever asked that question, always
0: happy to talk. Connor, John, Erica, thank you so much for all of This great information today. Thanks for going a little bit long with us to the attendees who stuck around, all of you who joined in, contributed, asked questions, shared your ideas. We really appreciate that you're here. Um, This is our last session of the year. We'll see you again in the new year. Sorry, we're not wearing festive hats or anything like that, Um, but maybe we'll think about that for next year. Um, In the meantime, you can check out some additional resources in the show notes tab, which I'm Highlighting right now, we have some more information about uh, uh, WakeMed Wake uh, key uh, care community uh, mission and vision. We also have some information about our self-service dashboards. We have a data lake house guide. So lake house is a term you're going to be hearing a lot about in, in the coming years. So go ahead and check that out. And then we have other content. Maybe you uh, tuned in early and you saw a little bit more about uh spicy takes you watch some clips from that you can go and watch the full series um the recording of this session is going to be available within the next 24 to 48 hours it will be sent via email and we look forward to seeing you on the next webinar again erica john connor thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today and thank you so much for being here see you all next thanks time. for having me thanks all
3: thanks,
1: thanks guys you. that was a lot of fun here.